the OTP presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Farm Bureau Health Plans has been serving members and protecting their health for 76 years. Learn about our Tennessee roots at fbhp.com. It's Tuesday. We are roughly 48 hours away from the NFL draft with Coach Dave McGinnis and Rhett Bryan. We call them our Titans radio draft duo. I'm Mike Keith, and here we go. Yesterday, we talked about six questions towards drafting defense. Today, six questions towards drafting offense. Rhett Bryan and Coach Dave McGinnis have graded roughly 300 players for the draft. And so we start with this. Rhett, what stood out to you about this crop of offensive players that will be drafted this weekend? The first thing for me is the tight end class. It's the richest it's been in probably over 10 years. In our top 100, if I'm not mistaken, Mac, we've got six tight ends in the top 100 picks. Uh, and it starts with, a you know, Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, goes through uh, all these guys that we have looked at, whether it's Luke Musgrave or uh, Dalton Kincaid from Utah. There's a wealth of talent there. And when you get to the, the bottom part of that 100, uh, there is – even I mean, it's just it's rich throughout this whole thing uh, of of really good talent and not just straight up, you know, big receiver type tight ends. I'm talking about blockers, you know, traditional Y type tight ends in this all different shapes and sizes. Uh, totally agree. But I want to put the offensive lineman in there, too. There's some quality offensive linemen, both on the edge and in that triangle in, in, in this draft. And I think fairly deep into this draft, too. So those two positions, to me, are what stood out the most. All right. Coach Mack, you lead with question two. Who is the best offensive player in the 2023 draft? B. John Robinson, running back from Texas. Wow. Just pure run, just pure football player. Do you have a comp? I know you hate comps, but many people haven't seen B. John Robinson. Ladanian Tomlinson. Okay, that's pretty good. Uh this guy is just a football player, really good football player. Texas is really uh, uh, an anomaly for a lot of us that watch a lot of college football because they've got talent that sometimes doesn't perform up to the five-star that they are coming out. This guy's this guy's a really talented football player at a position that is not as highly valued anymore in today's National Football League as it was in the past, but really good player. Brett Bryant? It's quarterback Bryce Young for me. And it's just, you know, you see the body of work he did at Alabama. And I don't care what size he is, all of those things. When you look at the quarterback and the leader that he is and the body of work he's put together, he's the top of the list. And I think the mainly my my answer and my reason for that answer is because it's position-specific. Quarterback is, you know, where all this leads with. And uh, anticipate he'll be the first pick taken. All right. Taking out B. John Robinson and Bryce Young, who is the second-best offensive player in this draft, Red? <laughs> you can't take out B. John Robinson because that's who I had as that's the second-best. That's who you best. had? It is. I mean, Guess that, who I have. Bryce Young. Yeah. We, we've this question didn't work. Who wrote this? <laughs> it worked. I, I don't know who it, wrote this. No, this it is worked terrible. Because no, it, it worked because these are two legitimate answers. Yeah. Well, and, and Bijan, just ridiculous. He's he's the most talented running back coming out of college 
since the 2018 draft when we saw Saquon, Saquon Barkley. Uh, this guy's a three-down back. I mean, tons of yards after contact and just a natural talent. And honestly, I think he is the, def- he is the definition of what the, the modern, current-day NFL running back is being a three-down back who can help you out of the backfield. There are some people who believe he will fall to, like, 20. There's a lot of speculation right now, too, that Atlanta might take him at eight. Um, you know Arthur Smith. You helped to train Arthur Smith as a coach in this league, Dave McGinnis. Does he get past Atlanta? Who would Arthur take last year? You know, who took the tight end. Right. Okay. And nobody thought. everybody, But this was, a, this was an offensive weapon right. that could be used multiple ways. Arthur uses his players multiple ways. This is an Arthur Smith kind of guy. Easily. Yeah. You think that happens, Rhett? Well, if it doesn't happen there, I mean, there's speculation about it being at pick 10 with the Philadelphia Eagles. Which would make a lot of sense because in terms of what his cap cost would be, and remember, for first-round picks, they're basically slotted, in essence, 2 to 2.5% above what they got last year. So you can just look at what guys got last year in that slot, add 2 to 2.5%, and that's going to be it. And Miles Sanders is in Carolina well, now. And that's it. I mean, their whole running back room last year cost less than $6 million in cap cost. If you took B. John Robinson, not only would you upgrade for Jalen Hurts, which is crazy to think he would have a better back playing behind him than the group that played with him last year, but it would actually be cheaper. It's huge. I mean, it makes total sense. I don't think he falls past Philadelphia, especially considering that Philly also has the 30th pick overall. They've got two picks on night one. And see, you bring up something that uh, really educates the the listeners, the OT people here. When you're in draft rooms, not just on draft day, these are the conversations that general managers, head coaches, and staffs have leading up the months leading up to this draft about – cap fits, about cap fits in the future, and about st- stacking your roster position-wise so that it starts to interlock with one another. It, it, that's a very, very valid point, Mike. We're through two questions. We've got four more to go on offense on this edition of the OTP with Dave McGinnis and Rhett Bryan. Hey, Titans fans, it's hard to decide what's the best part of a Dunkin' Run. Is it the coffee? Or is it the $1 classic donut or the $2 stuffed bagel minis or the $3 sausage, egg, and cheese that you can add to that coffee or the fact that you can leave the office? The answer, of course, is yes. Time for a Dunkin' Run. Great deals on food for $1, 2 or $3 with a medium or larger coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. Let's get running with question number three. All right. Coach Mack. Who is the most highly rated offensive player that might drop for whatever reason? Jackson Smith and Jeba from Ohio State, the wide receiver, because of his hamstring issues. Missed a significant amount of time last year. The year before, and you, you, you put the year before tape on, you can see what this guy is. This guy is going to be a starting receiver in the National Football League as soon as he steps on campus. But – when you start looking at soft tissue issues that have kept a player out that long, it's going to make it's going to make some people pause. 
And again, it's it's per draft room and it's per organization what you are willing to risk. But that's the guy to me. Coach Max says Jackson Smith in Jigba. What does Rhett Bryan say? Well, I mean, mine was Bijan Robinson just because of the position that he plays at, yeah. and you know how the running back is is somewhat devalued in this. And we talked about him not falling past ten. Uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles. But, I mean, if they don't take him there and they take a defensive prospect, there's a chance he falls pretty far. Not out of the first round, but at 18 to the Detroit Lions is another place for him because they've, they've always been looking for a running back since Barry Sanders hung him up. And then at 26 for the Cowboys and at 27 for the, the Buffalo Bills are also spots he could fall to. I think Detroit is really interesting because they have 6 and 18. And so they can get in a situation. I think they stick and pick at six because I think they're going to want to get a great player. But if he, he being B. John Robinson, doesn't go at 10, I wonder if Detroit is not the team that calls Tennessee and says, we want to trade to 11 to go up and get B. John Robinson because they have five picks in the first three rounds. I mean, they've got a lot of depth. They're certainly a much better team. Adding weapons right now for that team where they are in their development would make a ton of sense. And remember this, just on your scenario, Brad Holmes and Rand Carthon worked together in the same building for five years, very closely on putting the Rams team together. All right. Uh, you know, and so who knows? Watch Detroit. Yeah, I don't th- listen. I don't think they're in love with DeAndre Swift. And I, how many picks have we seen them over the years throw at a running back position to try to, to come up with an answer. Now, they've done more with wide receiver than anything. Well, but they have a pretty good history with a couple of running backs throughout their time. I mean, especially Barry Sanders, understanding what a difference a guy like that could make to golf or whatever they're going to do going right. forward. I mean, they've, they've hit on some receivers, uh, certainly haven't quite hit where they want to on tight ends, but they may be able to get a guy like that going forward. We'll see. That's a pretty good ball club. They went 9-8, and eight, and you have to feel like the NFC North is wide open. So that's why I say I think you've got to watch them. I think, again, I think they stick and pick at 6, and then I think they use 18 to potentially leverage backup. Well, I think d- discounting what they've done in the past, right? you've got a, you've got a second-year GM mm-hmm. and you've got a first-year GM that, believe me, I was in the same building with them for five years doing this right here. They work very, very closely together, along with Ray Agnew, who is the assistant GM for Brad now in Detroit. So these guys understand one another and their draft philosophy very well. All right, so let me go through that before I ask the next question on our list about offense. So those guys have that kind of relationship. Absolutely, they and do. You, you work with people who you have those relationships with understanding that you might have to set something up before it. Is that something they would say, listen, if our player is there at 11, here's what we're willing to offer you so you could make the call that quickly to the league and get the trade in? Absolutely. I mean, okay. I've, I've so done – terms may be lined up – theoretically, of the, course. No, no, yeah. I mean, but I'm just saying the only reason I can say this with some pretty good clarity, I've done it. Right. I've done it, and that's exactly what you do do. I mean, we did it with the Titans mm-hmm. with Jared Goff. Right. So, I mean, that's just the most recent, you know, that I've been involved in. And there's been 
several others. All right. Question four. What is the best case scenario for an offensive player for the Titans at number 11, Red? For me, uh, naturally, if one of those quarterbacks are sitting there, for multiple reasons. One, if there's if it's one they like and want to take, okay, go. And if not, maybe someone calls Rand Carthon and you get some more capital that you need. That's the first thing. Second thing, if one of these top tackles, like if Peter Skaronsky is sitting there, go. Uh, same thing with Broderick Jones. I mean, I think, you know, there's a chance you might have one of those sitting there. You could have the pick of the litter with these tight ends that we started this podcast with. Uh a top tackle, maybe a quarterback, for for those reasons. Paris Johnson Jr. Okay, from Ohio State. Uh, that to me is the best scenario. He's a big tackle. Yes, he is. He's a big athletic tackle. People saw the footwork at the Ohio State workout, and that was shown over and over and over again on Twitter. And people are like, "What's this?" I mean, he's he's pretty special. It's a dude. Let me go back to something. Rep mentioned tight ends, and. I want to see, because it feels like you've alluded to this, but I want to I want to sort of dive down on it a little bit more. Are there more elite tight ends very safely in your top 100 than there are elite wide receiver prospects? Yes. I'll, yeah. I'll give you the tight ends that we've got. We keep talking about this mythical top 100. I, I mean, here's what Rhett and I came up with. Michael Mayer from Notre Dame, Dalton Kincaid from Utah, Luke Musgrave from Oregon State, who we were pretty can I, can I just say I love him? Yeah, I, and that's Thank why you. I looked at you. Uh, Darnell, I can tell who you like when we go to the senior I know. bowl. When I hugged him and he didn't know it. I mean, <laughs> it's kind of odd. Uncomfortable when you, for when a you, lot of when, people, when, especially when Luke. You, but, when, you know. when you yelled at me across the ballroom, said, come over here and talk to this guy. Well, I did back. want you to meet him, yeah, because he because you know his uncle. Yeah, I do. I didn't hire his uncle. Uh <laughs> Darnell, not for any bad reasons. Darnell Washington from Georgia, Tucker Kraft from South Dakota State, Sam Laporta from Iowa. I'm in the top 100 now. Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan, and then uh, right on the fringe of this, Brenton Strange from Penn State. So, let me see if I feel this right. If if you're if you're sticking with your board, and you're talking about an elite player, you could theoretically take a tight end over a wide receiver you know, in terms of first, second round, whatever, with the thought process being this is just a more elite player who stays on the field more. I think so. Yes. Yeah, and, and again, at 11, which is what the question is, you'd ha- I believe you'd have your pick of the litter there of the tight ends. Would one be worth that? Mm. Mm, okay. All right. All right. So I'm going to move on now. I know. I <laughs> I'm just asking questions. That's all I'm doing. We're on the OTP. This is this is how we're doing it. All right. Question five is this. Nicholas Petit-Frier was an incredible draft bargain for the Tennessee Titans early in the third round last year. Each of you give me two offensive prospects that could be there for the Titans at number 72, the Titans pick in the third round, that would have the same type of value as Petit Frick. We'll go Sam Laporta, the tight end from Iowa that I just said, and then go the receiver route, Marvin Mims Jr. from Oklahoma. This is a speed guy. This is a vertical speed, fast, fast, fast dude. It's got a pretty nice catch radius. Even uh, The thing about this wide receiver group, Mike, 
uh, for our listeners, I know you know this because you study this hard too. It's completely different than it has been in the in the last several years. There's not that many six two, six three, six four big long receivers. Now they're the five nine, five ten speed guys, great short area quickness guys. This is one of them. For me, Mike, uh, I'm going to go receiver and tight end on mine, and I'm going to go with one of the bigger receivers in this that would be a value in day two, and that's Jonathan Mingo from Ole Miss. He's 6'2 plus, 225, 17 yards per catch average in his career at Ole Miss. I think that's somebody that can help the Titans. And then the last tight end that Mac mentioned in our top 100, Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan. What do you like about him? He is – First of all, he he is quicker than he appears to be in this. All right, first of all, he's 6'5", 251, arms 32 and 7 eighths inches, hands 9, wings 78 and, a, and an eighth, 4'6", in the 40s, what he did at the combine. But he had a 33 and a half inch vert, had a 10'7 broad, and you see him, I, he's a, he can block, but he also was used as a red zone threat for Michigan in 2022. Average 10 yards per catch uh, in his last two years, at Michigan and six touchdowns in there and not a lot of drops. Uh, he's just a guy, I think, that you could get in probably round three that uh, is a value. Seat Geek is now the official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans. That's right. The deal is finalized, and Seat Geek is the newest member of the Titans family. If you haven't heard the name yet, get used to it because you'll be hearing it a lot more this season. Whether you're buying or selling tickets to the Titans games or to any other live event in Nashville, SeatGeek is the place to do it. SeatGeek, the new official ticketing partner of the Tennessee Titans, so Titans fans can fan. All right, are we ready for question six? Let's no, go. Absolutely. I love this. These, Day three. These two, these two days have been great. Been talking about offense. Yesterday was defense. Today is offense. Day three, give me an offensive position group where the Titans can find great value on Saturday. Rhett goes first. I'm going to start with uh, the interior offensive line. There are some guards and centers. Like Mac has said when we started this OTP, the triangle players, they run pretty deep in this. And I'm going to start with a couple of guys, one of which is a Michigan Wolverine, Olu Olawatimi. We saw him at the Senior Bowl. He's a Virginia transfer, 6'2 309. Um, he was the Remington and the Outland Trophy winner in his one year at Michigan. And it's a guy that uh, played, I think, most of his games at right guard, but had played some games at tackle as well. So there's some versatility there. Uh, and then there's another one that I really like from LSU, Anthony Bradford. He had 12 games at right guard, five at left tackle. He's 6'4", 332. Um, and... As Coach Mack would say, he's not an empty chair. He's he's uh, certainly somebody that I would look for as a late-round pick in this. And then I'm going to go also wide receiver. A.T. Perry from Wake Forest, 6'3 198, 2,400-plus yards in his last two years at Wake Forest, 11 touchdowns. Good long speed on vertical routes. Has had some dropsy issues, but I think that's something that Rob Moore could work with him on. Uh, there, There's a wealth of stuff in the back end of this draft on offense. Okay, Brett gave us three. I'll give you four. Uh, <laughs> wide receiver, let's stay there. Xavier Hutchison from Iowa State. Got some length to him. Got a little bit of speed. Pretty crafty receiver. Offensive tackle, Nick Saldaveri from Old Dominion. So this, is a, this is a big athletic dude. Raw, 
But you're talking about day three here. Can he also play guard? I possibly could. Okay. He's a big dude, Mike. Uh, tight end. I got Luke Schoonmaker right here. Luke Schoonmaker to me is a guy that can do a pretty good of both. Just as Rhett gave a great description of him, but his blocking is better than some of these guys that will probably go before him just because that's the way it works right now with people, you know, using tight ends to be sometimes primary receivers in their offense. And then my offensive guard that I've got written right here, and Rhett and I don't talk before this. We talk a lot in the last three months. We're sick of each other. But uh, is Anthony Bradford, the guard from LSU. You both like him. Yes. You both like Schoonmaker. Yes. Interesting. All right, so let me quiz you on one, Rhett. Uh, another guy that I really like at the Senior Bowl and, and think is a good player, also same play in the Southeastern Conference. Does Emil Echior, center guard out of Alabama, have a chance to fall into day three, or do you think he goes the first two days? No, I think he would be a day three candidate in this. And, you know, we, we heard the story from Jim Nagy, the senior director of, of the Senior Bowl, uh, in that, you know, uh, Nick Saban calls him and says, hey, give him a shot at center. Right. He can do this. So it's a versatile guy. And, he, man, he's a big dude, big anchor who played in a massive, you know, program in the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, he's absolutely somebody that would be a value for someone in day three. Emil Echior, we have him around the 120 range. So that's fourth round, you know, kind of at the top of that fourth round. Uh, he's 6'2", 314, and he is versatile because he proved that he could snap the ball and still get to his blocks at the Senior Bowl. Another interior lineman I'm interested in, Jerome Carbon from Tennessee, played in 60 games there. Um, don't know if I don't know if he's a drafted player. I don't know if he goes later than that. But he's that type of guy you're trying to find who can make your practice squad, can eventually make your roster, can play more than one position. You're always looking for those O-linemen who always seem – always seem to drop because there are more of them and because teams sort of get fixated on, oh, I can't believe this edge rusher is still here or I can't believe this safety is still here. Well, we're doing the draft with a guy right here that that happened with. Who's that? Ramon Foster. Yes, that's right. Ramon Foster uh, wasn't undrafted and only spent 11 years with the Pittsburgh Steelers. There you go. That was pretty good. Ramon will join us for our coverage on Thursday night at 6th and Peabody. You're invited, presented by Pinnacle. Coach Mack will be there. Rhett Bryan will be there. I, Mike Keith, will be there. And also Brad Hopkins, former Titans Pro Bowl left tackle, will join us for the opening hour of our coverage. Excited about all of that. Certainly appreciate our friends at Farm Bureau Health Plans. See how much you can save on your health coverage with Farm Bureau Health Plans. Get a quote at fbhp.com. For Coach Dave McGinnis and Rhett Bryan, I'm Mike Keith, thanking you for listening to the OTP on Tuesday of Draft.